Hello and thanks for joining us for this latest episode of Education in Focus South Asia, a series of podcasts focusing on areas of debate in education in the South Asia region, brought to you by the British Council. My name's Rob Lewis, and later on you'll be hearing my co-presenter, Simon Borg. We're already a fifth of the way into the 21st century, but the term 21st century skills remains at the heart of a lot of debate about how education systems should best prepare learners for the world beyond school and learning. In this episode, we'll aim to get an overview of what the term actually means, along with some of the challenges and signs of progress in the South Asia region, with interviewees from India and Nepal. To begin, I spoke to Akanksha Bapna. Akanksha is founder and CEO of Eval Design, which works in the design and evaluation of education programmes. She started our conversation by explaining why 21st century skills are so important in India right now. India is a very young country. Uh, More than 50% of our population is below the age of 25. We could look at it two ways. Either we're sitting on a demographic dividend or a demographic time bomb. And we now need people who are not only uh, ready for jobs and employment, but also who are ready to be job creators. So the first point is that we need to have a set of skills that the young people have, which make them ready for this um, job creation ability. The second is that the job types are also changing very rapidly and um, technology is changing the locus of control very fast. So the young people need to be able to navigate this whole new world. And for that, they require to be active decision makers or agents, as we call them. And that's why we think that the skills are very critical. I want to set a little bit of context for the region. So the idea of skills is seen very differently in different contexts. There are a number of frameworks that researchers and practitioners, policymakers use. In a context like India, we tend to use frameworks such as uh, the ILO or the WHO frameworks, which are a lot more catered towards very specific needs, such as health or employment. So skills are looked at very differently in this context. Another point is that skills are actually also perceived very differently in the context. For example, a skill like resilience could easily be taken to be resistance in the context of adversity. What would you say are some of the more general challenges that your country or the region faces in developing skills among its students to make them agents, as you said? So making 21st century skills mainstream is the key challenge. We still have parents asking, will my child get a job if they learn critical thinking? So that's a very fundamental challenge in being able to see the skills not as an add-on, but essential. The second problem is that there's no consensus on how we define skills. What someone calls empathy, someone else would call compassion, while they may or may not mean exactly the same things. This lack of consensus is then leading to a lot of other issues in terms of collaborations across organizations or sharing of resources. And one of the key problems that we face is the measurement of these skills, particularly from the point of view of evaluation or understanding the impact of different kinds of programs. And uh, the added problem is something that I mentioned earlier, that they mean different things in different contexts. So the existing measurement methods that are available are mostly developed and standardized for a Western context. And we do not have that for the Indian context still. The last challenge, I guess, is that it's not really easy to introduce 
life skills or bring life skills to children uh, because it's a very intensive process. There is little patience to have interventions running for six or seven years. You also require a whole ecosystem to develop life skills. It's not a simple math problem that can be solved. So you need role models, you need the involvement of community, parents, etc. And we need to have the patience and be able to say that, yes, it is going to take time to develop the skills. Yeah, I can imagine it will take time, yes. But have you begun to see some positive signs already? We've recently just undertaken an exercise to review about 15 organizations across India to understand their different life skills approaches. And one of the heartening things is almost everyone is ready to be ready to be measuring the skills to they are ready for evaluation. They're ready to collaborate. Uh, We're beginning to see that, but we still need to build a system around being able to do that. And everyone seems to be wanting to come together primarily with the child at the center of it. Um, So that seems to be a very heartening development. And just to finish, are there any final points you'd like to make for the audience of this podcast? I think the last thing is, Uh, From the policy level side, we still have a long way to go. And India has this new education policy. We mentioned critical thinking in that three times. Creativity twice and empathy not at all. And we mentioned mathematics about 19 times. So we really need to be able to set our uh, priorities at the policy level as well. There are then plenty of challenges in India, even though, as Akanksha says, it feels like there's a lot of appetite to act and respond to those challenges. To get a picture of what's happening in another part of the region, I spoke to Shankar Adhikari from the Ministry of Science, Education and Technology in Nepal. He started by giving a brief overview of 21st century skills in the Nepalese education system. So in Nepalese context, uh, we have a school level curriculum and in our school level curriculum, it has been mentioned that soft skills have been integrated So it means the name is different, but uh, the soft skills are more or less similar to the 21st century skills. When we look at the national objectives of our school education, so there are lots of objectives that are related to 21st century skills. So let me tell you two or three to help each individual develop and nurture their inherent quality to enhance social integrity to develop the feeling of peace, friendship, tolerance, and universal brotherhood among the students, to prepare a skilled human resource who can use modern ICT technology. So if you look at these national objectives, you can clearly see the 21st century skills. So Shankar, I'm interested to know, given the importance of these skills, what kind of presence do they have in the curriculum? How have they been integrated into it? In our context, what happens is, Uh, The curriculum suggests the possible classroom activities. Let me give you some examples. Let's say question and answer, uh, group work and peer work, inquiry and discovery, brainstorming, mind mapping. So these are are the suggested classroom activities. And when we go into those uh, classroom activities, we can clearly see that these classroom activities are aimed to develop uh, the skills that are more like 21st century skills. So what then are some of the challenges that you faced in getting these core skills and their related activities actually into the classroom in Nepal? The most important two challenges, what I think in the context of Nepal are uh, to train the teachers uh, on 21st century skills. The most important challenge I think is uh, training all the teachers of school level on 21st century skills. And another challenge is bringing 
change in the classroom culture. That means we have a traditional way of teaching, means the teachers uh, give lecture to the students, even if they are very small, and the students are supposed to listen to the teacher every time. So uh, that culture is to be transformed into the modern way of teaching. On a more positive note, have there been any successes that you've started to see? There is one soft skill project, so it uh, took place for four years. Uh, this has been completed this year, and those people have trained the teachers on soft skills. So the name is soft skill, but uh, the essence is more or less similar. The teachers, they are uh, trying to embed those soft skills in their classroom activities as well. And uh, the government is planning to mainstream the soft skills training or 21st century skills training in the regular training program as well. And uh, we already have the ICT aspect in our regular training program. The challenges in Nepal and India seem quite similar. And clearly, even defining 21st century skills is a challenge in itself. So to explore these areas in greater detail, Simon spoke to Tara Bette. Tara is a senior economist in the education global practice at the World Bank. She began by giving her definition of what 21st century skills are. I think of 21st century skills in three buckets and three overlapping buckets. The first comprises cognitive skills. So these are foundational skills such as general academic skills, literacy, numeracy. And they also include general cognitive higher order thinking skills such as quantitative reasoning and things like that. The second bucket is technical skills. So this you'd think of entrepreneurial skills as falling in this bucket or digital skills. And then What's also very important is the third bucket, which are socio-emotional skills. So self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, communication skills. When we spoke to our, uh, our local expert, she, she was from India, she, she used the term life skills quite a lot. And I was wondering whether that can be used as a synonym for 21st century skills or whether it refers to uh, some of those skills. My understanding is that it refers to some of those skills, that there's a fair bit of overlap, but not complete overlap. And of course, you know, people use different terms differently. So I understand life skills as being skills that are necessary for fully participating in everyday life and which overlap most with the social-emotional skills bit that I talked about. Okay, thank you. Yes, yes. And that links nicely to the next question, which is in fact about different interpretations of 21st century skills. So if we have examples like empathy, perhaps, or resilience, and, and many others, and, and one challenge may be that what these actually mean can vary from context to context. So are, are there any frameworks that can help us resolve such issues? I think we need to keep all of them together when you're talking about social-emotional skills, you need the decision-making things that are important for getting the job done, you need communication, you need grit, self-control. There's no neat framework as such, but there are a number of these different concepts and different people or different researchers will tell you that one thing is more important than the other, such as um, there's one school of thought that will tell you that grit is what determines how well somebody will perform. And somebody else will tell you that it's actually conscientiousness that determines how well you will perform. But the way I look at it, these are all important and it's hard to decide one is more important than the other. You're going to have to use all of them together. And the important thing is to know when to use which skill and how to use it. 
So 21st century skills have become quite a, quite a big thing in education in, in recent years. And it would be interesting to hear your views on why you think that is the case. Why have they become such an important topic in education today? So you see, the nature of work has been changing a fair bit. And we've been aware of these changes. The nature of work has been changing over centuries in general. But some of the things that make this change very salient is the role of digital transformation in everyday life and the way that technology is able to do things and change the skills that employers seek. And with this kind of change that's happening in the workplace, people are naturally a little bit nervous that they're not prepared for what the future will bring. You know, for instance, there is all this fear that robots will take away jobs from people. But, you know, that's one extreme of those fears. The other is that we're just not prepared for work in the world tomorrow. And um, a lot of the worry about trying to make sure that people have the full skill set, I believe emanates from the fear that there is going to be increasing joblessness if people don't have these skills, and that we're not going to be able to be as productive as economies as we could be if we don't make sure people have these skills. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is that in many education systems, there's been a lot of progress in terms of developing skills in students. But there's also been a lot of problems in terms of doing this equitably. And so it's very clear that some people are moving really far ahead, whereas others are not. And I think a lot of the interest in 21st century skills is because we are trying to see what is this composite set of skills that we need to be able to give every human being so that they can participate fully in the economy and in life. So the, it's largely an issue related to the demands that people are going to be able to fulfill to participate fully in the labor market, I guess, in the future. That's what you seem to be saying is driving this interest largely. Yes, I think that's what's driving the interest largely. And then from that interest is the realization that most education systems aren't doing a good enough job of these things. You said that in some places, though, good progress has been achieved. Could you give us an example maybe of, of one of those places? Well, in South Asia, I would say that we've made a fair bit of progress in terms of just making sure that every kid is in school in many countries. So in Bangladesh, Sri Lanka and India, you have pretty high rates of enrollment in primary school. That's actually a tremendous achievement that we don't acknowledge often enough. Now, many of these students are actually learning, but many are not in all of these countries. So we often see numbers for India, such as, you know, 55 percent of children are not able to read grade second text, even though they're in grade five. And that's a huge problem and a huge challenge. But many of these kids have come from backgrounds where they have absolutely no support, family backgrounds in terms of learning. And the fact that we've been able to get them to school and learn something, I think that counts for a little bit. That, that they're not quite where we want them to be is a problem and is a challenge that we need to work towards. So having them in school clearly is enormously important in terms of their education. Does that automatically imply, though, that they are developing 21st century skills? Well, sadly, it does not. And I think that's what we are coming to realize increasingly, that they don't have the kind of cognitive skills, at least in most of our schools in South Asia, that we'd like them to have, that schooling hasn't translated into learning in many of our countries. And I think that's that's a big problem because it's hard to, you know, when you get a young person who's 17, who's finished with school and wants to join the labor market, but did not get very good education, whether it be cognitive skills, developing cognitive skills or technical skills or social emotional skills. When they're 17, it's kind of late to make a dent in those things. 
Another question I wanted to ask you, Tara, is something that comes up quite a lot when we try to take ideas that are seen to have come from the West and to implement them in, for example, South Asian context. People very often say these are Western ideas and therefore they don't really transfer comfortably to different contexts. Would that argument be at all true for 21st century skills? I don't really find that argument very persuasive for 21st century skills, Simon. I think if one wants to be effective in work, one does need to have those three buckets of skills that I spoke about, Mm -hmm. cognitive skills, technical skills, social-emotional skills, just about anywhere. And in most kinds of jobs, if you have to be productive, you do have to engage with other people as well, you know, so you have to be able to get, you, you not only need to be able to think and do a job well, but you often have to engage with other people. And that's where you need these three types of skills to come in. I also feel that with globalization, it's really important that we know how to have one set of skills that matter for everyone everywhere. So the argument that we can't do this in our context because it's a Western idea simply doesn't apply, you're saying? Yeah, I don't think it applies. Yeah, because the skills that people need are generally uniform across the world today in an increasingly globalized environment, yes. Absolutely, I would think so, because cognitive skills we've always known about, they're important technical skills, you know, digital skills and entrepreneurial skills, you need them everywhere. And um, social emotional skills, such as self-awareness, relationship skills, I can't think of those being context specific, unless you're working in a vacuum where you never have to interact with anyone. One question very often that comes up is how do you go about measuring 21st century skills? We can define them, we can talk about why they're important, but how do you measure how well students are actually acquiring them? That's right. So this is a difficult terrain, but I think there's been some progress. In terms of cognitive skills, I think we've got some grasp on how to measure general academic skills. When it comes to higher order thinking skills, in the project that I was talking about, we use tests designed by ETS, Educational Testing Services. They have a suite of tests, and one of them is called Heighten, that measures a lot of higher order thinking skills. So that's on that. Social-emotional skills is much harder, but if you look at Angela Duckworth's work, you'll get something on measuring grit. Then, of course, there's work on how to measure the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. So you have some work on that. I think the really challenging part is measuring creativity. And, um, you know, different people are working on that, but I'm not sure that we have an instrument yet that helps us measure that. Okay, so for some of the 21st century skills, There are established tools that are being used for others, such as creativity, more work is needed to develop effective ways of measuring them. That's right. In terms of key messages from international work and research on 21st century skills, what would the key ones be for educational policymakers in South Asia who were keen to promote 21st century skills more effectively? Let me give you a little bit of background on what's happening in South Asia very quickly. The first thing is that all countries have skill strategies, and they're good strategies. They envision, they'd say all the right things, they envision a role for the private sector, they have ambitious targets. The second part of it is, however, that implementation has been mixed. Enrollments in short-term and long-term training, for instance, in skill programs have risen very sharply, but employment remains pretty low, and there's very limited performance monitoring of the system. And then there are other challenges, such as, you know, in most countries, there's a lot of coordination failure across ministries. There's also limited capacity in the private sector. 
in many countries, and there are outdated programs. So to think of policy options based on good practice internationally, I would focus on four. And these four, we talk about these in our companion piece to the World Development Report 2018, which is called Ready to Learn, Ready to Thrive. And the first is partnering with the private sector is absolutely critical. The second is better data at multiple levels, along with the capacity to use it, is important for better decision making. We just spoke about measurement, and frankly, we don't have a lot of good data on many of the skills that we want to improve. So better data on whatever we know can be measured is so important. The third is to focus more on performance and outcomes and less actually on the numbers who are in school or who are in training programs or in higher education. What's happened in all our countries is that it's been a tremendous achievement and a tremendous drive to get everybody or get most people into school, but we've done that at the cost of quality a fair bit. And so to focus on outcomes is really important. And the fourth thing I think is that a lot of these programs do require time. And there is a tendency, time, a time in two senses. One, you have to get the student at the right time. So you have to invest in early childhood development, for instance, so that you can get kids when they're at the age where skills can be built. And the second is that you can't have quick fixes. So to take an example from the skills development sector, for instance, short-term training programs are very difficult, actually, to both implement and get results from, yet governments invest in them a fair bit. So the suggestion would be to invest early which is to invest in early childhood development, which, which is where most of your you know, social-emotional skills and your ability to engage with the world is formed, as well as later on to have more concrete skills development programs when kids are older and in, or have finished with school. Yes, I wanted to ask you a bit more about the need to maybe intervene earlier in the educational system. So at the moment, does that mean most of the focus on 21st century skills is with older students rather than, say, in primary schools? Yes, I think that's what's happened, and that's a pity. It really needs to start very early. I think we have to recognize the dangers that, for instance, just poverty poses to children's development and learning, and we don't do enough of that. And there are still many, many poor children in many most of our countries in South Asia. The second is, you know, we have to begin to strengthen children's ability to acquire these kind of skills. But with well-designed interventions, it's not just about opening creches and throwing kids in there, but to be able to have age-appropriate learning interventions. And one of the things that we find in our report is that kids who are in preschool are being taught literacy and numeracy, numeracy skills, whereas that's not the right thing to do at that age. They have to learn more of these, you know, being together, learning to sit, focus, yeah. attend, and that kind of stuff. So I guess that's another important message for policymakers, the need to start earlier rather than later and to focus less on the on the academic side, on the academic content and more on the skills more generally. Yes. One uh, last thing I, I wanted to ask you, Tara, if I could, is about the implications of all of this for the development of teachers, because you know teachers are, the, I guess, are key agents in whatever educational reforms need to take place. I think the first point here, Simon, is that we have to make sure that the right kind of people are getting into teacher education programs. Mm -hmm. And what happens in many countries is that these programs, teacher education colleges, are not selective at all. 
Whereas in well-performing countries such as Singapore or Finland, it's very selective. The top performing students in cohorts get into yes, these yes. colleges, whereas that is not true in a country like India or in Pakistan or in Bangladesh. So we just have to improve the kind of people we are getting into teaching. Okay. So that's the first step. And that happens by improving selectivity in pre-service education programs. Now, pre-service education programs themselves need to really improve in terms of giving teachers practical experience. Most teacher, most teacher candidates who join these colleges hardly step into a classroom. So when they do become teachers and have to step into a real world situation, it's very difficult for yes, them to manage. Yes. And bear in mind that most of them have not been to the kind of schools that we are envisioning for children today. So they don't know what good teaching is. And suddenly we are telling them to do good teaching. Yes. So a lot has to change in pre-service education. And I think a big part of that is by making it more practical with more training within schools, as well as trying to redress many of the disadvantages that these teachers bring themselves, having been through poor education systems. And one thing that we tend not to speak about enough is to help teachers improve their social-emotional skills and how they manage and talk and discuss with, teacher, with students classroom management. So there are clear implications there for, for universities as, as well. And I guess in, in terms of the curriculum itself, the teacher education curriculum, would, would I be correct in, in assuming that there is perhaps little focus in the teacher education curriculum on 21st century skills? You'd be absolutely right in thinking that. Yeah, there is so, very little focus in terms of actually real world things and managing yeah. social emotional skills, technical skills or cognitive skills well. Mm -hmm. So the teachers not only lack the general pedagogical skills they need to teach effectively, but they're graduating with very limited awareness of what 21st century skills are and how to promote them. Absolutely. And I think this is where systems have been failing teachers because we just don't provide them those opportunities. Excellent. So I think, I think you've given us a really, really good overview there of what 21st century skills are. You've highlighted a number, I think, of, of really important key messages for policymakers to attend to if they're serious about promoting 21st century skills. We've also been able to emphasize the implications of all of this for teacher education, as there clearly seems to be a need for reform there as well. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Tara, about this, about this topic in relation to policymaking before we conclude our discussion today? I wouldn't like to say anything new or different from what I've said, but I would like to emphasize the importance of starting early and beginning with early childhood in a very serious way. That was Tara Bette speaking with Simon, who's with me now to discuss the interviews from this episode. Simon, the impression I get is that Obviously, there are lots of factors above all technology changing the skills people need and will need for the jobs market. And there's a recognition that education in the region needs to prepare young people for that, clearly. But it doesn't seem to be doing so just yet. That's right. There is, there is global awareness of 21st century skills, definitely. And additionally, targets for addressing those skills also exist. And those are both good points. Where work remains to be done is at the level of implementation. This is inconsistent and additionally another area where further work is needed is in the monitoring of results, of actually evaluating the impact of attempts to promote these 21st century skills. 
Right, and one of the complicating factors, perhaps, is the the fact we heard so many different descriptions or definitions, soft skills, 21st century skills, life skills, core skills, Tara's three buckets of skills. As Tara herself says, there doesn't seem to be a neat, agreed framework. Yes, that's clearly the case. We have lots of terms, lots of concepts, and these are described in different ways and defined in different ways in in different places um, in the literature, and that can clearly be a source of confusion. Beyond frameworks, any kind of implementation needs support, doesn't it? And once again, we come back to the need to give that support to teachers above all. Support is absolutely vital for 21st century skills to be implemented effectively in an educational system. At a broad level, it's important that the educational system itself reflects 21st century skills. In other words, within the system and within different components of the system, there is evidence of critical thinking, for example, because this is something we want to promote in learners as well. More specifically, support is also needed for teachers. This can take place at in-service level, but as Tara argued, might start as early as pre-service teacher education. And clearly, giving teachers the support they need will put them in a better position to promote 21st century skills amongst their learners. Right, now, just to finish, are there any final messages from this? We've heard from a lot of interviewees in this episode. Are there any final messages that you'd just like to highlight? Well, I think we've summarised most of the key points, but one additional issue that can be highlighted is that it's important not only to start supporting teachers early in their careers in relation to 21st century skills, but it's equally important that we start working with learners at a young age. 21st century skills are not something that can be bolted onto their education later in their lives. Okay, thanks very much for that, Simon. Now, if you're interested in reading more about this episode's theme, you can, as ever, find related links on the same page as this recording. And if you'd like to comment on what you've heard, and we'd be very happy to hear what you have to say, you can share your comments with us on Facebook or Twitter using the hashtag EducationSouthAsia. That's hashtag EducationSouthAsia. Finally, don't forget there are lots of other episodes to check out in this series too, covering themes such as what makes a successful education system and the impact of English medium instruction. You can also find a link to them on the same page as this recording. Thanks for listening to this episode of Education in Focus South Asia. From Simon and me, goodbye. Goodbye.